Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. Matt, happy fried chicken day to you. Is that what it is? It's I national it's National Fried Chicken Day. I okay. only know that because Powell posted something about it and uh, right. and I saw it and it was it became the intro. I don't know. I'm, I did not know yeah. that. Okay. There's okay. a very there's always there's a very short run up on the intros between in my head and, and then out into the world. So that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea. There's always some sort of national theme, it seems like. And I don't know where they come up with these things. But, you know, fried chicken day, not a bad one. I mean, I figured it's something that you would not be opposed to. as a. I wouldn't be, no. Yeah. No, I wish I'd known a little earlier. I would have got, got some for dinner. So it's kind of a light week. Um, you know, the basketball flurry of free agent activity has settled with the most important signing and that's Rudy Gay to the Spurs uh, <laughs> I, was, I was okay with it yeah yeah I, uh, just just broke here in the last few minutes apparently um, and and you know Rudy Gay's always been a player I like since his days at UConn I know he's uh, you know it'll be an interesting fit because he's kind of a guy who's you know a little, little bit of a ball stopper um, but apparently you know wanted the opportunity to play for a contender and uh, you know hopefully he'll help him yeah, well, and hopefully the Spurs are a contender since everyone has moved west. You know, the, yeah, yeah. The stats that ESPN's been putting up about you know the top players in terms of PER right. and in terms of other advanced metrics, and it's like fifteen in the west and three in the east. Yeah, teams are going for it. I mean, Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, we haven't talked since the the thunder uh, got paul george obviously that was a you know a newsmaker uh, unexpected with all the teams I mean, you and i discussed and joked about you know all the teams that were supposed to be getting uh, paul george and oklahoma city was not one that i heard um you know so they they made a move obviously houston made a, a move keeping a, a star in the west but nonetheless uh, you know getting one denver got paul Millsap. Uh, they were on the verge of the playoffs last year minnesota obviously had jimmy butler so West is going to be tough, and it has been, but, yeah, it, it shapes up to be a, a difficult conference just to even get in the playoffs. Meanwhile, on the Eastern Conference, the big news, obviously, is Gordon Hayward made it official, reconnecting with Brad Stevens and the Boston yeah. Celtics. I, I want to take a different angle than he's on the Celtics. I want to talk about the leak, denial, <laughs> re-leak, Players Tribune story. Right, right. Yeah, um, that was interesting from a from a sports media perspective. Um, you know that that uh, somebody had the news and then they said no, there wasn't anything to it. And we spent a few hours kind of crushing that guy. I believe it was Chris Haynes. Oh, he was premature. Well, he probably wasn't. Um, Hayward's team just wanted to you know get the news out there themselves. Well, and what's interesting about it is everyone just goes off on the guy for reporting it. Meanwhile, set aside our new sports culture and broader culture of having to be first regardless of accuracy. Right. But this guy is first, and he's right, and then Hayward's team says no, he and and the denial is not just a straight no. It's no, he hasn't made a decision yet, when it really was no, he's writing, or someone is writing, his Players' Tribune article to announce he's leaving. And it felt like... You know, and not to besmirch one of my team's own, but it felt like Ryan Braun's steroid denial, where it's like, <laughs> just don't say anything, or just say, yeah. you know, but don't bury the person and act like they're an idiot when they I, were right. 
you know, the circumstances of it might not have been ideal. And with Braun, you know, the test might have been a loophole that he exploited the first go round. But but you just take your win quietly or in the case of Hayward and his team, let this one guy report it and then put your article out and then everyone will report it. And what's the worst that happens? People say, oh, that guy got it right. Good job by him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because um, you know he's not the first to to try to go this route of of you know breaking his own news. Kevin Durant did the exact same thing last Fourth of July. Um, well, but LeBron kept the lid on it. LeBron did LeBron the did, home. exactly with the SI article exactly. So um, you know what's interesting is I, I guess Gordon Hayward's camp needs to needs to seal up their leaks a little bit better and you know take some lessons from Kevin Durant, LeBron, and others because. Uh, you know, it is it is possible we've seen in recent years to, you know, keep that news to yourself. If you want to launch it, you know, go ahead, launch it. But, um, you know, once it's out there to say, well, no, it's not true. And then we find out, yeah, it probably won't buzz. I mean, uh, you know, is it is it possible that he hadn't decided as of, uh, you know, Tuesday morning and by Tuesday night he knew when he wrote this long story? Uh, possible, but it, it stretches the imagination. It, yeah. It, it's possible, but doubtful. Highly yeah. doubtful that that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is this is the modern age of, of you know, players, athletes, and, and others too, but, but from the sports perspective, athletes wanting to be their own news source. You know, they, they, don't, they don't need the media anymore like they used to. Uh, they can break their own news. They can get their own news out there. Um, and, and so you've got this clash between – traditional media and athletes who see that there's an opportunity for me to be my own media. I don't, I don't need, uh, you know, writers and TV guys to tell my story. I could tell my story myself. Yeah. And it lets you sort of put the spin in the world. I understand why Hayward would want to do it. You know, he spent the first two thirds of that talking about why he loved Utah and why he's going to miss Salt Lake city and all of these things. And sure. You know, I understand why you want to put that narrative out there, but if you don't have the Zach Randolph-esque stature (laughs) with a team and a community, then don't try to manufacture it on your way out the door, Yeah, you know? Yeah, I agree. I I mean, you know, it it, it felt a little... I I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't read every word, but it it felt a little... uh, Manufactured is a good word, a little hollow. Um, You know, you're leaving, and, and, you know, okay, you're trying to make sure there's no hard feelings but the fact is that there's going to be you know there's going to be some sour feelings and some hurt feelings in utah and and i get it you know they put this team together they built this team over the years he was a big part of it and now you lose a guy kind of right as you reach your supposed peak you know you make the playoffs last year you get to the second round you're hoping you're building something and i you know think you're probably taking a little bit of a step back well, I think you could reasonably argue as a Utah fan that Gordon Hayward cost you part of this offseason because that Ricky Rubio deal, from right. a lot of reports, is because Hayward had expressed an interest in playing with Rubio. Now, I'm not saying that they wouldn't otherwise have been happy to take on Ricky Rubio sure. or that he's not a sure. good fit. I mean, if they're going to pivot and become a very defensive-centric team, which I've heard is one of the ideas, putting Rudy, yeah. Ricky Rubio at the point and Gobert at the five is a pretty good set of pieces to start with. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I believe they were the, the, you know, statistically the best defense in the league last year, you know, uh, obviously with Gobert kind of as the centerpiece of that, 
Um, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a way to go. Um, it's a little bit different than what a lot of the league is trying to do where it's just, you know, score, score, shoot a bunch of threes, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you like to see teams try to do it a little differently. I said the same when new Orleans got DeMarcus cousins to put him alongside Anthony Davis. There's such an emphasis on going small wings, guards. They were kind of going the unconventional route. We'll see that you how that works with a full season between them. Um, you know, and Utah, I guess, going to try to do it a little different. All that being said, you know, Gordon Hayward's a very good player, but I don't think this is a franchise killer for Utah. I really don't. I don't think this is LeBron leaving Cleveland the first time and they're going to, they're going to, you know, be reeling and, and win, you know, 25 games next year. I don't expect that. I don't either. Other than the West is really good. And I think even a half step back in the West takes them out of the playoffs. It might, it might. I mean, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. There's, there's a lot of teams in the West that are now, uh, you know, they're, they're adding pieces. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all works because I go back to New Orleans, and, and granted that was midseason, but, you know, New Orleans got DeMarcus Cousins. I got excited about it. A lot of people got excited about it. Oh, they're going to make the playoffs. Well, they didn't. They didn't really play all that well at all. So pieces is harder sometimes than you think. Yeah, well, and the other thing about that is in the West, it almost seems like we're still in a two-tier chase. It's just everyone has stepped up considerably, but it's still a chase, the Warriors for the elite teams like the Spurs, the Rockets, yeah, and then the chasing effectively five through eight, maybe even four through eight in the playoffs just to get in. And that's your Blazers. I think the Clippers are now in that role. The Nuggets, yeah. the Jazz. the And I would put the Thunder there. I think adding Paul George is great, but I, I don't think that it puts that – I don't think it vaults them ahead of the other teams, especially with the moves the Rockets have made. I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I – you know, I like these moves. I think there's been a lot of moves that have made the West interesting, probably in a sense of two through eight. But – has anybody really closed the gap on Golden State? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe I'll be wrong, and I hope I am wrong. I would like to see it be more interesting come playoff time. And obviously, look, uh, you know, you never know what happens with Golden State. Somebody gets hurt. Uh, you know, somebody has an off-court issue or whatever. You know, you, you have to continue to remain competitive. I don't think the rest of the West should just say, "Well, we're giving up. We'll plan for three years from now." Um, but you know, Golden State's full strength. I don't see that anybody with the moves they've made, has done enough to beat them in a series. And Golden State's just gotten stronger. I mean, everything I'm hearing from these reports on the, you know, the Caspi signing or, or getting right. Swaggy P, it's just, they're just <laughs> yeah. adding guys who do the things that they need guys to do, and they have the flexibility to pay them, you know. I mean, I know that uh, Caspi took the minimum, but yeah. Nick Young got $5 million. Yeah, yeah, which I, I'm honestly not sure how that works, and, and and you know, not that I'm a capologist by any means, but how is it that they have the money to do that? Because, you know, okay, they can re-sign their own guys. I get that. You know, they can go over the cap to re-sign Andre Godala, Sean Livingston, Durant, whatever. Um, but how are, how do they have the money to spend on other guy? I mean, maybe that was the mid-level exception. I'm guessing. I don't, I don't know, but you know, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking, how do they have the money to go in and add other guys like that? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, and I'm also not a cap guru. Yeah, it, you know, but 
I think it's got to be through the mid-level exception and the, maybe they have some trade exceptions that I'm just not thinking of right now. It must be. I mean, obviously, there's there's a way for them to do it, but you know, it does it does make you wonder. And and you know, Nick Young is he's an example of of a guy who um, anywhere else he went, probably anywhere else, maybe a couple others. You know, you'd say, oh, he's a bum. He's a, you know, but because they've got such a culture built up there, you think, well, they'll probably get the most out of him. They did with Javale McGee. They took a knucklehead like JaVale McGee, and they got they got something out of him, uh, you know. And, and so you just think, well, you know, it'll probably be a gem for him. I mean, very quickly, this franchise that was a joke for most of all childhood and early adult years is now like the gold standard, and anything they, they touch to gold. It's got the feel of, you know, the Patriots almost, where it's like if they, it want, if they want the guy, he must be good. There must be something the rest of the right. league doesn't get. And if they let a guy walk, well, there's got you know that guy's got to have a problem. Even if it looks like yeah. he's good on paper, he must. There must be something. You know, when they bought the Josh Bell pick, and everyone was like, "Oh wow," you know, that's we do, They just you just gave them the guy who they wanted. Why would you do that? Well, for three right. and a half million dollars, anyone else could have had that pick, and sure, every sure. team passed on him on the first thirty odd picks before that. So you're right. Yeah, it, it turns into one of those. And, and you're right. It is it is like the Patriots and the difference being, you know, the Patriots have been doing this for a long time. You know, I mean, you, and, and the Warriors, you look back and it was only, you know, five, six, seven years ago that they were trenched in in losing and, and everything they did didn't work. You know, every free agent signing the Warriors made, you thought, oh, God, how will this be fire? And it, it real quickly has turned around and it's it's kind of amazing how quickly it has turned around to I mean because and the you know the Warriors were the Sacramento Kings the Minnesota Timberwolves you know they they were an organization that couldn't get it right to save their lives and now it's like they can't get it wrong yeah it's really amazing how far they've come and how quickly and it does show you that you know Sam Hinkie's process and everyone now loves it and he's treated as a borderline deity even though the league or the Sixers right. somebody forced him out um, but it's true if you do hit on a couple guys and you get it right it goes a long long way towards being good for years and just yeah. completely resetting the face of the franchise yeah no I mean it is you know it's it's uh you're right you know the Sixers have taken a lot of grief and Deservedly, I mean, they've been embarrassing at times with the teams they've put out there over the past few years. But, but it's all done with the idea of get that franchise changer, and the Warriors are a great example. Um, you know, certainly the Cavs. You know, getting getting LeBron the first time, getting Kyrie Irving. Without those two breaks, they're not in this position. LeBron doesn't come back if they don't have Kyrie Irving. I don't believe. I mean, you know. He, it's not it's not positioned for them to make this type of run. Well, and the think Spurs about Wiggins, Tim Duncan, you know, to, and Wiggs. That's a yeah, yeah, very true. Getting that number one pick that allowed him to get Kevin Love. Yeah, but and and to your point, the Spurs with Tim Duncan, and the list goes on and on. If you get the pick right, it completely reshape it. For the Bucks, obviously they're not at the level of those teams, but the fact that John Hammond nailed that Giannis pick when sure. everyone was wondering if he's playing against high schoolers in some you know, ramshackle gym in Athens. But it turns out, no, he's just actually that good, and it didn't really matter who was around yeah, him, and they build yeah, him up and they yeah. coach him up. It changes the whole complexion of the team and how your fan base thinks and how the league looks at you. Sure. I mean, yeah, you know, the NBA is a star league. We talk about that. And, 
and it's about getting you know those those one or two huge difference makers. And some teams can do it in free agency, but most teams can't. Most teams can't. You know, looking just being honest, the Milwaukee Bucks are not going to attract a top notch free agent. The San Antonio Spurs haven't really. I mean, they got Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, a couple years ago, but besides that, this team's been built through the draft, and they've added pieces here and there. Um, you have to draft well and get your guys and, and keep them in the fold. And you know, as much as yes, get Duncan obviously sets the tone. Then it's also drafting Tony Parker at the end of the first round, drafting Manu Ginobili at the end of the second, getting Kawhi Leonard in the lottery, you know, the fifteenth pick. Those moves, you know, keep you going. And and the Warriors have done a great job of, you know, none of these guys are top you know two or three picks curry was a lottery pick Clay thompson was a, a first round pick draymond green was a second round pick so you know they've done a good job of finding guys and, and piecing it together that way and then obviously getting Durant is the move that puts you over the top but they won a title without him they they became a destination they where did. he would want to go they did yeah. exactly yeah without those guys they're not attracting a guy of, of kevin durant's caliber so yeah i you know, I mean, getting free agents is is the easy way, uh, you know, and it calls to mind football. We talk about this in football all the time. You know, the teams that make big splashes in free agency are usually not the teams that go on and do, do great things the next year. It's the teams that draft and develop, and they have good young cores, and they, you know, the Packers are a great example. I know to the point of frustration for Packer fans like yourself that they never sign free agents, and it's like, you know, you know. But that's what they do. They draft and develop, and, and it's worked pretty well. Yeah, and it creates the longevity as opposed to the quick fix, which was the hallmark of LeBron part one right. in Cleveland. Right. Oh, well, we've got right. LeBron. Let's slap guys together and hope it works. What, what do we need? Yeah. We need a guard? Yeah. Okay, here's a guard. Well, does he fit our system? doesn't sure. matter. He's a guard. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, some franchises can do that. You know, Miami obviously built their four-year run by going and getting LeBron and, and Chris Bosh. And Miami is Miami. They're, they're one of the franchises that probably can look and think, we can attract free agents because we're Miami. Most franchises can't do that. And you have to be able to draft well, and then maybe you can add a piece you know, through free agency that helps put you over the top. But you, know, you have to get those picks right. And the teams that don't are the teams that are in the lottery every year. And, and the teams that do are the teams like the Warriors, the Spurs, uh, you know, the, the, you know, teams like that, that every year it seems like are contending and winning. Yeah. So the non NBA ASU centric news, two parts, one signing or not signing, <laughs> if only uh, getting a commitment <laughs> from Kyrie Walker, who was the national freshman of the year, according to some publications in high school, he committed to Bobby Hurley's Sun Devils. He's transferred to Hillcrest Prep, where his dad's going to coach. And yeah. everyone talks about how Hurley made it a family thing. And I think it's great. And, uh, you know, as Kevin Brady put on Twitter, that is where a- ASU fans hope should lie is with the basketball program. I-, I still am trying to talk myself into football, and we'll get there. But, you know, <laughs> this, is a, this is great news. This is not the kind of prospect. I mean, Harden wasn't even ranked this high when he committed to ASU. No. No, it was not. Harden was kind of a gem. I mean, yeah. he, you know, he, uh, you know, was a late riser on the prospect scene. By the time he got here, he was a very big prospect. But early in his high school career, he was not thought of that way. When we had to move heaven and earth to get him, we got his high school coach, his right. best friend. Right. You know, we did right. everything we could. And if that, That's right. you know, I, and I'm wondering if there's been some sort of 
agreement on the everyone keeps saying family 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 if you know there's a coaching vacancy for his dad for that year yeah or something but yeah yeah and and now am i wrong didn't they put in i know they did with football they put in some rules now related to the fact that you you can't hire you know close relatives of a prospect or something like that there's some acronym for it i believe there is, but there's I, – I don't remember what it is, but I think like football, there's a waiver if you can argue a, there, a, a legitimate reason. You know, like that's, yeah, that's no surprise. Yeah, of course. You which, know, I mean, which I think it might be why his dad's going to be on the Hillcrest staff for the next few years. And if Hillcrest dominates, then we say, look, this guy has helped build this elite program that's on a school like Finley Prep that's just a basketball school. Um, right. You know, and we think it'll help with recruiting. We'll think it'll help with this and that. Now, obviously, that's probably all manufactured reasons that wouldn't pass the smell test. But sure, I don't know if sure. the NCAA I mean, invokes a smell test. <laughs> eh, I don't know either. You know, uh, you know, history would say they don't because there's a whole lot of things that have happened in college sports that you think, eh, it doesn't seem right, but apparently according to the rules, it's okay. Well, we're not talking about, you know, him taking a candy bar off the coach's desk because that's obviously a major infraction. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah, so, I don't know, I mean, it's it's interesting, obviously, and, and you know, getting the kid is, it's, um, it's one of those pieces of news that it is good, and yet I'm not getting overexcited, uh, Louis, you know, we've talked about this before in recruiting, it's a long way from him actually suiting up and wearing an ASU uniform as a freshman, and being as good as he's supposed to be, a long, long, long way. I mean, so it's exciting in the moment. We've done the dance with the number. Go. We've done this dance with the number one freshman because we had Demetrius Walker. We have, we but, have. Now we got him on the downhill. Uh, yeah. You know, he wasn't considered that anymore, um, and and that's a lesson in just you know, hey, okay, you're the number one freshman. Doesn't mean you're going to be the number one junior, number one senior, number one college freshman. Um, you know, things happen, and there's all there's just so many other things. There's academics. There's other offers from other schools. There's injury. I mean, it's it's just so far away to get overexcited. But uh, you know, in the moment, it's good news. That's you know, I would agree with that. Yeah, Archie Archie is not happy with this negative. Talk. I hear that. He's just... I hear that, and I'm not I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be realist. Uh, you know, like like I just you know, recruiting is is fun to follow, and certainly you dream big. You think, oh, this kid, and maybe you know, he brings in another big star, and. Oh, you know, great things are ahead. But we've been burned by recruiting before. Every college has. I mean, every every college program, if you're a fan, you've got a few recruits you remember thinking, boy, remember when that guy was supposed to come here? And it didn't, didn't happen. Um, or remember that guy we got who was so hyped and he wasn't as good as he was supposed to be or any number of things. So I just, I just temper my enthusiasm a little. You are Uncle Frank from Home Alone. You, everyone else can be positive, but you're going to be realistic. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good way to put it, uh, especially when it comes to high school athletes. I, I just I just can't get too carried away. Now, do I hope the kid is as good as advertised and he comes here in three years and he's great? Obviously, yes. I mean, I, I'm not rooting for what I'm saying to come true. I just, I've just seen it too many times to think, you know, oh, man, this is great. Can't wait for this kid to show up. He's going to change the program. There's a long way to go for that. Now, speaking of signing recruits, one thing that you and I haven't talked about on this is the NCAA changed the rules for football this year, and they're going to do an early signing period, similar to yes. all the other sports, where you can sign in December. And 
I'm curious what your take is, because I'm still trying to find my footing with my take. I, I think it's yeah. good. Uh, I, I'm all for letting these kids decide early if they're sure. And I come down to the same logic that I use for when people are like, well, how do you feel about early voting in elections? It's like, well, if sure. you haven't made up your mind yet, you don't have to vote early. If you haven't made sure. up your college choice mind yet, you don't have to commit in December. But I'm worried uh, yeah. that with kids like this, you'll, you're, I'm sure you'll have somebody sign in December who then signs another one in February or, you know, does something yeah. ridiculous like that or tries to get out of it and reopen his recruitment to sign at a different school on National Signing Day. Yeah, well, and, and I guess a question I have is, and I don't know all the particulars, but um, coaching changes don't usually happen by mid-December. Um, and I don't just mean head coaches. I'm, I'm referring to assistants going elsewhere to be a head coach or, or, or you know, getting a promotion up or whatever it may be. Um, so if somebody signs in December and they want to play for this quarterback's coach and then that quarterback's coach gets a job as an offensive coordinator elsewhere, can he get out of that? I don't, I don't know the answer. And I don't think he can. I don't think so either. Do they let you for head coaching changes? It's up, up to, the, to school? the school. It's up to the school. That's and, I think, what, yeah. and I think it'll be the same this way. If you ask out, the school can choose. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the more yeah. famous examples of that are the guys who committed to Penn State. Uh, right. And also some right. of the Obviously Charlie Strong for, Texas recruits. Sure, sure. You know, I know in the cases of, of, you know, sanctions and things like that, they do that. But just in, on a general rule, and especially when it comes to an assistant coach, a lot of, you know, a lot of recruits go somewhere not for the head coach, but for the assistant that they're going to play for. Those are the guys actually recruiting them. You know, they want to play for this coordinator, this position coach. Um, and so is that going to make a difference? I mean, I... You know, I like the idea of having the early signing period. I think it will will cut down some on the indecision and the, uh, uh, you know, recruiting by other schools. And, you know, if a kid wants to just get it over with, great. He should be able to. But there's there's downfalls to it, as there is with everything. I think it will allow for a better shakeout for the lower – the lower middle recruit, the guys who are at the bottom of the three-star ranking or the high two-star ranking because schools yeah. hold that spot and hold that spot and hold that spot with hopes that the guy's going to sign. And if one of the guys who you're actively targeting is gone, I think it'll give you some more security and more sure. surety to go after those lower guys. And I think they'll have better options and have a more solid understanding you know, let, you'll see less guys holding out for a preferred walk-on spot because teams will know. Sure. Especially the good teams like Alabama, Florida. Will, they'll know, look, we have this guy. We're not interested anymore. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like the idea in general. I'll just be curious to see how it gets put into practice, I guess. That's fair. So then the last thing that I, we wanted to talk about was the USA Today – database came out of all of the public schools what they spend on athletics and how it's changed over time and so we got a look at what ASU did and in 2005 ASU's total uh, total revenue was 41 million dollars now yeah. in 2016 ASU's total revenue is 94 million dollars yeah some of this has come from the inclusion of student fees, which is mandatory charges 
for all the students at the university, and that last year exceeded $10 million. Yeah. There's also the Pac-12 network and that licensing deal, which ASU's licensing in 2005, they got $12 million, $12.6 million. Last year, they got almost $44 million. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that, you know, obviously the student fee goes from zero to, to what we've got now, but certainly the, you know, those TV rights and licensing is really the area where you see the biggest growth. Yeah, I mean, ticket sales has been relatively constant. The low was $7 yeah. million, the high was $13 million, but generally it's been between 8 and 11 the whole yeah. time. Donations have been somewhat steadily on the incline. I think part of that the last couple years, though, has been driven by the major stadium renovation. Sure, and sure. things like that. You know, Tom Graham famously has pledged yeah. the half million dollars. Right. Um, it's funny, the money allocated from the school itself has actually gone down. Yeah. From between 10 and $11 million to now under 10. And it's sort of hanging right around nine and a half to just under 10 the last couple of years. It, yeah. It's just interesting because obviously we're, we're not the highest. There were 20 plus schools that had a revenue of over a hundred million, but wow. you know, ASU more than doubled in the last decade. That's a, that's a pretty impressive thing to go back to, especially when you consider the number of athletic directors we've had in that time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the money matters uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 you know, there's, there's haves and have nots. And, you know, a lot of times we, we tuck it, we end up comparing ourselves to other programs and it just comes down to, man, you know, they just have so much more, um, you know, they're, they're a big time athletic program. And certainly we haven't reached that level. Um, but you know, getting steps in that direction is positive. Absolutely. I mean, we are somewhere in the top 40 nationally now, which makes me wonder where our budget was way back when. It, yeah. it certainly explains why Gene Smith left to go to Ohio oh, State. Oh, sure, sure. And, and Ohio State is a great example of a, you know, of a place that we'll, we'll never see. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're never going to get to that level when it comes to revenue, when it comes to uh, you know, tickets and all of those things. I mean, that's just... It's almost apples to oranges when you compare the two. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, progressing in that direction is a good thing. And, you know, the, the next thing to do on that is to have the results back it up, uh, you know. And, and, you know, as we discussed, like that's that's what matters, obviously. You know, the, the, the money and the revenue should lead to more wins and more success. And, obviously, we're coming off a year that was one of the worst in recent memory. And so that's, that's a little upsetting to see that contrast, but you know, hopefully things will turn around and we'll start to see the, the fruits of this. Well, and it's one of those things that the increase in revenue you hope would be tied to a lot better facilities, obviously sure. paying coaches a lot more, which is something that I didn't dive into, but I just off the top of my head know that our college football staff is paid much better under Graham much than the previous regimes. Sure, sure, and and you know, I mean, look, I you know, I should I should say, it's not like you know, money equates directly to wins. It's it's that money should mean better facilities. Money should mean better coaches that are better paid. That should lead to wins. I mean, that's that's kind of the cause and effect there. And and you know, 
with what we're doing with the football stadium and the you know new locker room facility, new weight room, all of that, you know, you hope to see the results of that soon. It it's still in the works, so I can't sit here and say, well, they haven't taken advantage of all that. It's being done. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see in a few years whether they took advantage of it. Yeah, and that is going to fall on Ray Ray. Ray Anderson's got to make sure that we don't have another year like last year where right, everyone right, misses the postseason is. in all the three main men's sports. And, the, and exactly. the teams that we can point to are women's basketball under CTT and golf. Women's golf. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, as we've discussed before, and I'll say this, you know, a thousand more times, those are nice. They make you feel good when those teams win a national title. But the next morning you've forgotten about it. And, and if you do something big in football or basketball or here, I would say baseball, you remember those things mean something. And, and you know, if you're a, if you're a women's golf alum, you probably feel real good about that. But on a big picture look, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I don't think that the women's golf title is going to dramatically impact that donation line one way or the other. No, no. And, and you know, I always, you know, I look at it from the standpoint of uh, – uh, you know, if you're, if you're, especially for you, I'll look at, I'll look at your situation walking around Milwaukee. Um, you know, you wear ASU gear. Nobody's going to stop you on the street and say, "Hey, I see the women's golf team won the national title. That's awesome." But boy, if the basketball team make the Final Four, you're going to have people saying, "Hey, ASU, I see they're in the Final Four. It's great for you." That's, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. Does it resonate in a big picture sense? And really, only two sports do baseball to us to an extent does, but football and basketball are where your where your money is made in a literal and figurative sense. And it was a rough year for those two. Basketball is trending up, I think. Football is a little bit more uncertain. Yeah. Well, we'll be back to talk about the sports that resonate, and probably a lot on stuff that no one else is going to care about, and that's fine. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>